I want to tell you about Tiny Talkers group curriculum. If you're an SLP looking for more work-life balance and a fresh way to do things in your private practice, then the Tiny Talkers group curriculum might be just what you're looking for. Tiny Talkers groups are set up as a way to provide accessible speech and language support to young children in a small group setting. Our friend Megan Samuels, creator of Tiny Talkers, has done all the planning for you. When you sign up for the curriculum, you get a full 36-week program divided into summer, fall, winter, and spring semesters. The plans are easy to implement and adjust as needed to meet the needs of your clients. They include material checklists and parent handouts for each session. And the best part is, Megan designed each week so that all the materials you'll need can fit into one sensory bin. So once you get your group set up, you're done. In the years that follow, you'll pull out that bin and go. No planning, no stress, just fun. If you want to learn more about Tiny Talkers, go to tinytalkersgroupcurriculum.com to check it out. Make sure to use our code BOOKCLUB10 at checkout to get 10% off your order. We love Tiny Talkers Group Curriculum, and we know you'll love it too. You're listening to the SLP Book Club. We're your hosts, Laura Geiser and Adrian Frost. This month, we're reading Lisa Murphy on Play, The Foundation of Children's Learning by Lisa Murphy. Let's get into it. Hi, Adrian. Hi, Laura. Welcome back to the SLP Book Club podcast. Today, we're discussing chapters 14 and 15 from Lisa Murphy on play. But before we do that, we're going to play Like It, Love It, Leave It, one of our favorite games. Adrian, do you have one or do you want me to go first? You know, I'm ready to go first. All right. Okay. I'm going to just come at you with like Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. All right. So I love, <laughs> wait. Like it, love it, leave it. Well, I love Instagram. I like TikTok. It's growing on me. Yes. And I am going to leave Facebook. I, <laughs> if I have to sign on to Facebook, I just dread it. I know we have a Facebook group. Yeah. And I was one of Facebook's biggest fans early on. I was in college when it rolled out and you first were able to join. And it was, you know the biggest deal because all we had yes. before that was MySpace. That's what I'm going to go with. Okay. What are you going to do? Okay. I'm going to love TikTok, <laughs> like Instagram, leave Facebook. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's a little bit of a toss up because Instagram has changed, right? Like the algorithm or whatever. I rarely see the stuff I kind of want to see. You don't get personal updates from friends anymore, but TikTok, it's like informative, yeah. which I love. I mean, I was just talking to my friend who's doing some pet sitting for a woman who has chickens. <laughs> <laughs> and she had like a lot of questions about chicken care and maintenance. And she said she just like went on TikTok, looked up some chicken videos, and she had like all the information she needed. Oh, my goodness. Well, that's what I use YouTube for. Right. When you need to change the battery in your car key fob. Yes. <laughs> You just type in your car and then like change battery key. And then you get all these videos of people showing you exactly how to do it. If I'm trying to do something new, I'm always going to go to YouTube and look for a video. Yeah. 
I mean, that's what I use it for too, is like when I got my new car, I'm like, how do I put gas in this thing? <laughs> it's not obvious. <laughs> what? <laughs> it was really like, there was no, oh, is it? you have to like touch the outside of the door Yeah. and the car has to be unlocked. And I was looking for, yeah, the lever. And I was like, uh, so I had to literally look it up on YouTube. How does my car work? And then they're like, like this. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know what I love? I love to look up on YouTube anything handy around the house. On TikTok, I feel like you would get a young person. I like to have like an older man who I know is super handy show me how to change my air conditioning yes. filter. You know? He's an expert. <laughs> That's who I want. He's done it a million times. Yes. The caveat about TikTok is I cannot vouch for the efficacy of this information. I don't know if it's valid. Is this person an expert? Who knows? Yeah. But, you know, if the chicken's still alive at the end of the day, <laughs> I guess we can't fault it, you know? <laughs> well, see, I like on YouTube that you can also see, like, how many thumbs up versus thumbs down something got. You oh, go, yeah. hey, this was really That's helpful good. for people. Look at all these thumbs up. Look at the ratio. Yeah. Love that. Sorry, I turned this into a YouTube versus TikTok discussion, but... It needs to be said. If it needs to be said, we have to talk about it. (laughs) Okay. I feel like we might have already done this one, but for some reason, I really want to, if needed, revisit it. Okay. Chocolate chips cheese. No, we haven't. I think I would remember. (laughs) This is important. Okay. Chocolate chips cheese. How could you leave any? It's really a struggle and I wish I could keep all of them. But for the sake of the conversation, I'm going to go with love cheese, like chocolate, leave chips. Oh, okay. I think I just think of it like, what would my life be like without cheese? Miserable. Gosh. (laughs) Could I go forever without chocolate? No. But chips, I love. Great snack. But I tend to lean a little sweeter than savory anyway. And if you have chocolate and cheese, perfect. And there you have a little charcuterie board. You have a little, it's amazing. So Okay, I want to be classy like you and keep chocolate and cheese, but I love chips. They are my favorite (laughs) thing in the world. I am a garbage person. My favorite are Chester's hot fries. Oh, I just, (laughs) I'm crazy for chips. When you say Chester's hot fries, I just like, it's sort of like a a roadside convenience store like pops in my head. That's where I first got them. I was driving home to my parents' house for Christmas and I stopped for gas, yes. picked up a bag of hot fries. And as I was eating them, I was like, this is what these taste like? Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. So this is a Cheeto product, right? Yeah. Okay. I really love the puffs. Yeah. Cheeto puffs. I love Cheeto puffs. Those too. are good. Like I don't, I try not to even buy them because, um, you know, I'll just go right through them. <laughs> yeah. One time I was buying Chester's hot fries at Vaughn's and got into a conversation yeah. about them with the checker and the guy bagging my groceries of course. and the, ba- the guy bagging. I was like, Oh, I love them so much, but you know, it's a dead giveaway when you have the red fingers. It's so embarrassing. Everybody knows you were eating hot fries. And the guy goes, yeah, when I want to avoid that, like if I have a job interview, I just eat them with chopsticks. (laughs) Expert tip. Thanks. (laughs) That tip should be on TikTok. (laughs) How to eat Chester's hot fries without getting your fingers red okay so i'm loving chips and i yeah. think i've got to like cheese and leave chocolate all right 
This is a terrible question. You can't leave any of them. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, what an impossible choice. Like, (laughs) it's like Sophie's choice. Like, nothing's going to... It's horrible. (laughs) All right. We're going to end our game of like it, love it, leave it there. And stay tuned after a quick break. We'll be back to discuss chapters 14 and 15 from Lisa Murphy on play. Have you checked out Laura's speech materials yet on Teachers Pay Teachers or Boom Learning under Laura G. SLP? I am such a huge fan and I'm here to sing her praises. (laughs) Since I'm a teletherapist, I use Boom cards almost exclusively during my sessions. As with all things in speech, sometimes the most unexpected materials are a hit with the kiddos. My students love Laura's What Did You Find activities that feature a fun flashlight to look for different items. And her lid comb handouts for parents on TPT are also amazing. And I love to use them with private clients. She also has some great game type reinforcers like the picture reveal activities and a connect four donut game that I've been playing on repeat with one student for months. (laughs) The best part is that I can use almost all of her materials with a range of kids who have different levels of needs. This helps you get the most bang for your buck. Her materials are well thought out, evidence-based and fun and engaging for the kids. We can't all be creative geniuses, so we might as well support and benefit from those who are. Thanks for sharing your genius with us, Laura. Go check them out today at Laura G. SLP on Boom Learning and TPT. The SLP Book Club is not just a podcast, it's a community. Go to our Instagram at SLP underscore book club to join the discussion and connect with us after each episode. Want even more of the SLP Book Club? The resources we make to support the content of the books we read are available for free on our Patreon or at the Laura G. SLP Teachers Pay Teachers store. You can find links to them in the show notes. To learn more about the SLP Book Club, go to theslpbookclub.com. You can contact us by emailing hello at theslpbookclub.com. Follow us on Instagram at SLP underscore book club or on TikTok at the SLP Book Club. Okay, welcome back. Today we're discussing chapters 14 and 15 from Lisa Murphy on Play. And our first chapter is Make Time Each Day to Observe. Lisa says observing doesn't just mean seeing. We have four other senses. And when we work with kids, it's really important to provide them with opportunities to use all five senses. Now, in the last episode, we talked about discussing and discussion and observing really go hand in hand. So we can give the kids the opportunities to use their senses and then pair it with a lot of descriptive language to help them discover more. She says there's a popular theme in preschools, my five senses, because there's five days of the week. So for one week out of the year, teachers cover the five senses. They do one sense each day. And she's really changed her mind about this because she realized just one week focusing on the senses isn't enough. And when we really start paying attention to the sights, sounds, smells around us, our experiences change drastically. And I've noticed this, for instance, when I walk my dogs, you can be walking and be totally lost in thought, not paying attention to anything. And then if you just take a second to start listening to, say, the birds, you're, you're like, wait, was this always going on? Have you ever had one of those moments? You're like, did they yeah, just like, start wh- singing or was this happening on my whole walk? <laughs> yeah. It's amazing how wrapped up we can get in our own heads, right? Yeah. I also had a little moment while I was reading this yesterday. I was looking out the 
glass doors at my backyard and a bird landed on my patio furniture. It was just like sitting on a cushion. And so I just sat because I was like, okay, if I were Lisa Murphy, I wouldn't like go back to what I was doing. I'm just going to watch this. I watched the bird for way too long. Maybe. Great. Lisa would say, and good for you. (laughs) It was really sweet. I just sat and observed. That's nice. Anyway, Lisa encourages us to listen to the sounds of the neighborhood, feel textures of pillows or clothes, really smell scents coming from the kitchen, etc. And we have to believe that observation is worthwhile and that things like hummingbirds at feeders are worth paying attention to. So if adults think it's silly to take time to really observe then there can't be any appreciation or learning. When exploration is hurried, experiences are lost. So slow down and appreciate the senses in order to unlock the world for children and for you. So our first sense that she covers is touch. And she goes through sensory bins and what you can fill them with. Lots of fun suggestions. Ready? Oh my gosh. Cooked spaghetti. (laughs) You know, I was thinking about that. When I read that, I was like, what are the logistics of this? You got to put the pot on, you got to put the spaghetti in, or do maybe you make it before you bring it in a bag? I'm kind of curious. But it gets so sticky if you cool it. It's just all stuck together in a lump, right? What about some penne and then you could loosen it up with something oily? Oh, (laughs) that would just be like eating it. Like, you know, they would just be. But there's a lot of edible things on her list. Pudding, clean mud, which I have never heard of and I want to make with warm water, grated bar soap and toilet paper. I was trying to visualize. What's it look like? Okay, I have to interrupt. For one second, because this chapter, is Lisa Murphy my hero? Is she my new hero? (laughs) I know. Like, the woman is so creative. The things that she says and the effort it takes and the fact that she's just, like, doing it for the kids and she's taping things together and, like, always looking at things like, how can I use this with the kids? How can I be creative? I don't know. When you just said taping things together, I think I know what you're talking about. And I want to make one (laughs) and we'll get to it. Okay. Okay. Not to get ahead of ourselves. (laughs) All right. Other things, sandbox sand, beach sand. They are different. They are. (laughs) When I read beach sand and sandbox sand are different, I sat and pictured running your hands through beach sand. Yes. Oh, and I actually had a memory come back to me when I was reading this at my play-based preschool that I attended, we would have a really big sensory bin and it was filled with corn meal. Oh, and it was so fun. It was like my favorite thing. And we had really cool toys in there, like old fashioned flour sifters with a crank and you could put the corn meal through. And I just remember like anytime that thing came out, I was so excited. Yeah. When I go to clients' houses, I like to bring sensory bins, but, you know, I have one with some kinetic sand that I love with a bunch of, like, ocean animals in it and stuff, but it makes such a mess with a three-year-old and kinetic sand, (laughs) the type of sand I have. In someone else's home. Yeah, it's tough. I was never afraid to make a mess in my speech room. Other suggestions, beans, (laughs) shaving cream, gelatin, rice, pebbles, seashells, flour, and water. And then she lists some words that you would use when you're using a sensory bin or exploring the sense of touch. Things like feel, sticky, wet, dry, rough, bumpy, smooth, scratchy. It's your job to help children describe the things that they're feeling. And you can extend activities by adding tools, just like Adrian said, like scoops and funnels or old kitchen utensils or magnifying glasses to look at things. 
And a hilarious suggestion is to give kids safety goggles so they know they're working. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can just imagine how important a kid feels when they have to put on safety goggles. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's so cute. Some kids won't want to touch it, so they will use sticks or wooden spoons, and they can still have an experience. And you should always just allow kids to participate at their own comfort level. I love that. And I love all of her examples. If they don't want to touch it, they can kind of poke it or wear gloves or... Yeah, she had all these different... What else did she say? She said you could do a sensory walk where you just put the sensory tub on the floor and they walk through them yes. or put things in touch bags. So you fill a plastic bag with things for kids who don't like high levels of sensory stimulation. Don't ever force anyone to touch something they don't want to. Right. And if you don't like touching things, don't convey that to the kids because if they see you scrunching up your face... Why would they want to go explore it? Right. And then, yeah, plastic gloves can be worn. And she told a story about a boy who just was obsessed with the plastic gloves that she... <laughs> I love this story. I know. Descriptions of him walking around in the dress-up clothes, always with gloves on. And When she said he shivered with anticipation or delight when <laughs> he saw her wearing... He came in and caught her wearing dishwashing gloves and just, like, lost his mind. I'm like... <laughs> Where's he now? What's he up to? Love an update. <laughs> what gloves is he wearing? Do I need them? So fill the environment with things like pillows made of different materials so kids can experience a lot of different textures. Love this suggestion of putting a long sheet of contact paper on the ground with the sticky side up. And I just pictured walking on it and getting your feet, you know, like peeling your feet off of it or putting your hands on it. Yes. Or like sticking things to it, leaves or I don't know, putting bubble wrap on the floor. And then she goes into human touch. And I really liked her perspective on this. Yeah. So she said hugging, holding hands, sitting on laps, back rubs, quick squeezes, long embraces. These are important. Touching decreases stress. And this is a direct quote from Lisa. If your program discourages adults from touching the children enrolled in the program, you need to have a conversation about where that expectation came from. She was once told that a school didn't want to take any chances. And she asked why they were hiring people they felt they might be taking chances with. Mm -hmm. If there is no trust, there are no relationships. And if there are no relationships, there is no program. It is so true. You know, especially when you work in public schools, oh everybody's gosh. like, oh, don't touch the kids. Don't touch the kids. Right. When you work with preschoolers, I mean, I know when I work in early intervention, kids will just crawl into your lap. Oh my gosh. This isn't like, oh, it's one client here or there. Every little kid who is two, three, four years old will eventually just crawl into your lap. If you're reading a story, you know, if you're working on something they're really engaged in, yes. it's just this natural child response. And if you're like, oh, I can't touch you. If you take them and remove them, yeah. what message is that sending? That kid? It's so sad. I had a little girl hug me. Well, first of all, she kept calling me doctor, which... <laughs> I was like, wow, what an honor. Yeah, sure. <laughs> oh, was it when you were wearing scrubs? Yes. I think her mom was like, we have to go see the doctor, a speech doc. I don't know. Okay. But she was just like, no, thank you, doctor. Like when I asked her to do something. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, sure. I'm cool with it. And then she hugged me at the end. And it was just sweet. Like I didn't know what was happening. And, you know, she came up barely like the top of my thigh. And she just kind of like wrapped her little arms around my legs. And it 
it surprised me. Yeah. But I was like, wow, if I had like pushed her off. No. Yikes. Why are we surprised when little kids hug us? Of course they want to hug us. I had a client recently. We were in the middle of a sensory bin, using a sensory bin, and he got up and just said, I want a big hug and came over to me and hugged me while I'm sitting on the floor, you know? And and yeah, you have that moment of surprise, but it's like, why? Because if I were with my niece or nephew, I wouldn't be surprised if they just were like on top of me, hugging me, you know? Right. It is so weird that, that we've gotten to this place where we are like, no touch. Right. Totally. And, but it's true. Like when we were in the schools, when I was in the schools, they would do all those trainings on like how to deescalate a situation without, I mean, that's, it's sort of a safety issue. Yeah. But the underlying message is we cannot touch these kids or we might get sued. Yeah. And sometimes when kids are sad or it's like teacher appreciation day and they come and give you a hug or I don't know. I just think it's, it's nice to be receptive to that if they're sharing that with you, you know? Yeah. I had this really great supervisor. He was a male SLP at an elementary and preschool. And I remember one time a kid with autism was really, really upset Mm. and he just hugged him the longest hug you've ever seen. And it calmed Mm. the kid down. You saw him just like his body slowly relax. Mm. But another kid walked by and said, I don't think you should be hugging him like that. Because kids are taught that, like if an adult. So there is this weird balance, I guess. But that is what that kid needed. And I was standing right there. It's not like he was doing something inappropriate. He was helping that kid to calm down. That's what he needed. Yeah. I mean, this is a bigger discussion. Sure. Maybe for another time, but it's really important. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to smell. This is often called the mute sense because it's the one with no words. It's really hard to describe smells. We just describe them through metaphor. So we compare them to other smells that we've smelled. Or we describe them by how they make us feel. The link between the language and smell center of our brain is very weak. So we struggle to use words to describe smells, but the connection between the smell and memory centers, we all know this, is very strong. So smells can often trigger memories. And she says that babies can be comforted in a childcare center if the provider drapes a shirt that was worn by their mother over their clothes while they're feeding them. I thought that was so sweet. I was like, how thoughtful. I I know. Or she tells the story of her brother's Her brother's a teacher and one of his students was at the mall and thought that she smelled him. And so she thought that he was there and was searching all over the mall like, where is he? Where is he? I smelled you. I smelled you. (laughs) I know. Lisa asks, what student will walk by a perfume counter years from now and remember the time they spent with you? And I wrote, haha, not mine. I don't wear any scents. I have a fiance who is very sensitive and I'm pretty sensitive to perfume. And my mom is like, I know. You know, it's something that gets worse as you age. (laughs) I don't wear perfume. I don't know what I smell like. I think I smell like nothing. (laughs) I love perfume, but I think because we work with kids who have a lot of sensory stuff going on, I don't wear perfume to work. Yeah. At that same school, a lot of the doors of the classrooms had signs that said, we have children that are sensitive to smell. Please don't enter our room wearing heavy scents or something Mm, like that. Interesting. So Lisa says, if your school smells like cleaning products, do something about it. It's important to clean, but if you walk in and smell bleach, it's bad. (laughs) So make coffee, make scent jars, plant herbs, bake bread, make cookies, or put vanilla on the light bulbs. Genius. I know. Oh, the oil like heats up. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Do it in your own house. (laughs) 
Lisa wants children to grow up and remember her when they smell chocolate chip cookies, spaghetti sauce, rosemary, patchouli, and roses, not when they walk down the cleaning aisle of the grocery store. And she was like, she doesn't want people, a kid to go, mmm, simple green, Miss Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> Which I love the smell of simple green, but maybe that's just me. Oh my gosh, yeah. And we'll move on to taste. So she tells the story of when she was boiling a purple cabbage to use the purple water, and a little girl was like, I want to eat that. I thought that was so. <laughs> and Lisa was like, Okay, why not? And then she wolfs down a bowl of purple yeah. cabbage, like cooked cabbage, and then Asks for another one. Yeah, and yeah. It's important to let the kids have these experiences if they want them. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Cook together, eat together, and take your time eating. Chew and savor your food. Encourage parents to send leftovers, sandwiches, fruit, vegetables, and cookies, not candy and soda. But she says at meal times, no one is forced to eat and they can eat their food in any order. Lunch should be a time for conversation, relaxation, etc., not for power struggles. She said some ideas are to have family potlucks, a favorite snack day, or fruit salad parties where everyone brings their favorite fruit and you cut it up together and make a big fruit salad out of everything. That is so fun. I know. And then she also said she would act out the stone soup story and then they would cook and eat and share a meal together. Or um, Lisa planted an edible garden so the children could eat what they grew. And she says children are more interested in eating foods like beans and vegetables when they were involved creating them. And I know this from firsthand experience. My dad has always had a fabulous vegetable garden. Yeah. And my niece who lives in the same city as my parents just loves gardening with my dad and picking. She's always eating things that I'm like, I wouldn't even eat that. She's just out there eating little beans and peppers and kumquats and she just so cute she loves going out to the garden and picking stuff and eating it or you could have a teddy bear picnic outside and lisa says everything tastes better when you're outside okay i was getting like a little verklempt again when i was reading the book i did not fully cry (laughs) (laughs) but i was getting emotional because i think i was trying to like figure out within me like why do i react like this to this And I think it's because Lisa is so flexible with the kids and she doesn't have that like rigidity that you develop. Sometimes I think maybe as adults, our aversion to mess and things like that is because it has been drilled into us by others since we were young. And so it's very hard to undo this kind of like, ugh, if we do this, it's going to be so messy and the cleanup's going to take so long. And I just, I think... I see that childlike wonder within her when she's writing about this stuff and it's just really inspiring. Yeah, it's like that idea when we talked about creativity of not restricting choice when a kid asks you for something and your immediate response is just like, no, and you want to have that control. But Lisa just kind of says yes to as many things as she can with the kids. And that's wonderful. Yeah, it's inspiring, I think. So moving on to hearing... Lisa says, we don't really listen to each other in our society. She gives examples of small talk where you ask how people are and you don't really care about their answer. But she (laughs) says, we need to practice listening and hearing. So stay in the moment and really listen to the kids that you work with. And that can be hard when you're watching a bunch of other kids and someone's telling you some really long drawn out story, but you know, do your best. And she plays a game with the kids called, listen, what's that sound? 
where just at any moment you say, listen, what's that sound? And it heightens the children's sense of hearing and you keep going deeper and deeper until the kids move past the sounds that we all hear to saying, I hear the flowers or I hear the wind. And I just thought that was so sweet. Yeah. She also suggests you play music of different styles. You use really loud voices and then you whisper like mice. You use instruments and play with sound, hang things for kids to bang on. Yeah. And now our favorite, Lisa cut a hose into three long pieces, connected it with a PVC pipe T connector, attached three funnels to the ends with duct tape, and then she called it three-way calling. Lisa. They have these on playgrounds, like they're built into the structures, you know, the yeah. funnel thing. But they never really work though, I have to say. I, I go to a lot of playgrounds and they always are a little frustrating. I don't know who I would use it with. Maybe just when my niece and nephew come over or like my whole my sister's whole brood of kids come over to my house. <laughs> if I had three-way calling in the backyard, I think it would be hilarious. I want to hear what your voice oh sounds gosh. like through that hose. I need to know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Other things she suggests, having our tuning forks, water bottles, cookie cooling trays, slinkies, just things for kids to make sound with and play with sound. Also listen to environmental sounds like traffic, remodeling, gardeners, trains. And then she does this whole thing on garbage trucks that is just so cute. I was dying. I know. And I do remember uh, I had a preschool class that I would go out to recess with them and a trash truck would come by on one of the days I was there and they do they I mean trash trucks and fire trucks of course but the trash truck they just go crazy for it so Lisa's whole school would drop everything and go watch the garbage trucks and all the workers knew to get out and wave to the class and like honk the horn as they drove away and there were three separate pickups on the day so she said that the anticipation was just wild in the class like all the kids just squirming (laughs) so excited especially after the first one they were just waiting for the next trash truck to come and I just love it. Now we'll move on to sight. This is a big one. Diane Ackerman, did I mention her earlier? She said abstract thinking may have evolved from the struggle of our eyes to make sense of what they see. And 70% of our body's sense receptors cluster in the eyes. Sight is how we appreciate and understand the world. So make your room visually pleasing, not visually overwhelming. Avoid cutesy cartoony posters. If you can, decorate with the children's art. Lisa doesn't allow any commercialized images in her room, which I appreciate. Lisa's very opinionated about commercialized images and stuff. She says kids get enough of that other places. She doesn't bring them into her room. They get a break from it when they're with her. And don't, your room doesn't have to be decorated with only primary colors. They're really harsh. Think about the colors that will provide a calming and peaceful atmosphere. So use pastels, neutral colors, natural shades, choose wood over plastic if you can. She's described someone who painted the playroom red and then the children became really loud and aggressive and then the room was painted neutral and children went back to normal. Red is a really energetic color and it can bring out aggressiveness in people. Yeah. So be careful. (laughs) Investigate colors and their emotional, psychological, and physiological impacts when you decorate. And then she moves on to how you can help kids develop their sense of sight. So take the time to point out tiny details to children. Lisa told the story of hiring a teacher on the spot when she just dropped to the ground, laid on her belly and watched ants crawl on the sidewalk for 10 minutes with the kids (laughs) without saying anything. And 
she says, she didn't say like, let's count them or I wonder what they're doing. She just watched. And sometimes we talk and describe and have a conversation about what we see. And sometimes we just need to shut up and let the children observe. And she says it took her a long time to become comfortable with silence. She gave a quote from the author Alfie Cohn, who told the audience at a workshop she attended, terrific teachers have teeth marks on their tongues. And as a side note, I've heard those statistics that on average, teachers talk about 65 to 75% of the time and then leaving so little time for students to talk. But there's a 20% rule where you're supposed to try to only talk 20% and let students be talking 80% of the time. And then that led me to think about kids who struggle with executive functioning. Like if a child is required to sit and listen for 75% of his time in class, he's going to have a really hard time. Whereas if the teacher's only talking 20% of the time and the rest he's engaged and is able to actively discuss things and talk, he's going to have a lot easier time learning and learn more effectively. So Lisa gives a bunch of examples of things to observe. So watch what happens to puddles when the sun comes out, birds at feeders outside, ants crawling. She gives a lot of little experiments and examples that you can give students like hard-boiled versus raw eggs, ice and water, mixing colors, hot and cold, wet and dry, fast and slow. And then you can do little experiments, put rock salt on ice, mix flour and water, you know, fill something with baking soda and pour vinegar over it or drop a pine cone in water. And for each one, help the children observe what they see, hear, smell, and feel. Have some time, patience, and awareness, and this can turn into a lifelong appreciation of the world around us and our senses. And then as always, at the end of the chapter, Lisa has a list of questions to ask yourself about observing, like what can we do to increase opportunity for tasting, listening, touching, smelling, and seeing? Or what do I smell immediately upon entering my school? How can I make the environment more visually pleasing? And how does making time to observe each day meet the child's DAP needs? And then with this chapter, I'll leave you. She always has quotes at the end, and I liked one of them. This is from Deb Curtis and Margie Carter in The Art of Awareness. Children marvel at things adults find ordinary, messy, or even boring. From a child's point of view, there are so many things to look at, hold, rub, taste, and smell. If you can just stop and join in their fascination, it's so amazing. So love that chapter. Yeah, me too. Really inspiring. Yeah. All right. That's it for chapter 14. Moving on to chapter 15. This is our chapter on reading. And Lisa starts with a story about herself and her siblings uh, as young adults. That is what I picture Adrian being like. (laughs) (laughs) So they're supposed to be helping their parents pack up for a big move, but they just ended up going through all their old books, reading passages to each other, begging their mom to take them home. And their mom's like, nope, I'm saving them all for my future grandkids. (laughs) And then like stowing them away, you know, hiding them from their mom and taking them because they just loved books as kids. And She says that the memories of books we read remain with us in a similar way to the songs that we heard or or sang as kids. And at presentations she's done, she's had busboys or waitstaff stop when they hear her reading a story and be like, oh my gosh, I haven't heard that in so long. And it was specifically about where the wild things are. And that happened to me the first time I read that with my kids. I bought it my first year as an SLP and I was reading it. And I just felt this overwhelming nostalgia. You know, you just get totally taken back to being a kid when you read books like that. Having a book center in your classroom isn't enough. You need to make story time a priority throughout the day. 
So create that center with cozy pillows and high quality picture books and read to children throughout the day. Lap time, snack time, outdoor time, lunch time. Bev Boss, who is, I think, Lisa's hero in the early education world, says, read, read, read until you think your lips are going to fall off and then read one more, which I loved. I love that too. I have to bring up something. I don't know if you're planning on mentioning it, but where she talks about how her grandma recorded herself reading the books. I know. That? I know. I have chills thinking about it. That did something to me. (laughs) But especially because she mentioned the Jolly Postman. Do you remember that book? Just a little bit. I was obsessed with that book. And even reading it in Lisa's book, I was like, I'm gonna buy that. Like right now, there's little (laughs) letters, you like open the envelope, you pull out the letter. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay, yes. I know exactly what you're talking about obsessed okay I'm gonna buy that too (laughs) (laughs) I just I was like wow thank you for reminding me of that yeah and then it's up to us to make sure that the choices on the shelves are high quality basically we should be feeling something when we read good books are going to have an effect on the reader she's included a list of some of her favorite books and authors at the end of this chapter which is pretty long she calls it short a short (laughs) list but they're pretty long so take a look at those she says to have all the classics and then broaden your collection with things like fairy tales short stories poetry photography how-to books myths things like that and pay attention to children's interests when you select books she has a take on ripped books so don't just buy cheap boxes at a garage sale that are poor quality Spend the money on nice books and then teach your students to take care of them. If you fill your book center with ripped books, then you can't expect children not to rip them. Like if that's all they see, they go, oh, that's what we do with books. We rip them. (laughs) So teach them to treat them with care, put them away correctly, and point out rips and tears so that adults can help fix them. This will teach children to love books and respect them. And she told a story, a sad story about a school where the last couple pages of a really good book were missing. So Lisa brought in her own copy and read it. She wanted to read the end of the story to the kids. They didn't know it, but they like refused (laughs) because they were like insisting that it ended on where their book ended. So the kids never got to hear the, I mean, but you know, Later in the chapter, she's going to tell us, don't be so obsessed with finishing a book. So if the kids think it ended there, then it ended there. Sure. (laughs) She says, it's better to have three high quality hardback favorites than to have a big box of torn crappy books. (laughs) I don't know if she said crappy. I might put that in. (laughs) She once subbed at a school where the good books were kept in a cupboard and were for teachers' hands only. And then the books for the kids were ripped Mm. and torn with old stories and horrible pictures. So sad. Yikes. Read good board books for babies like Goodnight Moon and Brown Bear, Brown Bear. What do you see? It sets the stage for them to enjoy books and stories as they grow up. And then with preschoolers, your books should be engaging and spark discussion. Read to them and have them read to each other. You know, when we were talking about Um, discussion a couple chapters ago she says kids need to think out loud they need to talk so when they're just reading together it's only bothering a teacher who wants the room to be quiet you know it's fine for kids to be loud and talk and read to each other if children aren't engaged with a book you're reading put it down and choose another one and don't feel pressured to finish a book so if you spend 15 minutes on the first page who cares (laughs) Sharing the experience of reading with children is the most important part, not hurrying up, turning the page, and finishing the book. She says you can record yourself and other people reading a favorite book. This is the part. For times when you're not up for reading or when you're absent. So then she tells the story of her dear grandmother recording all of their favorite books before she passed away. And 
that that's just the most special thing that now they can listen to their grandma's voice still telling their favorite stories. Always make sure you read a book on your own before reading it to a group of children. That's a good thing to do. Trust Guilty. <laughs> I have been like really busy trying to get together a lesson or a therapy plan. And I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to like read a book. And I'm like looking at a shelf. This one seems good. Then you're in the middle of reading it and you're like, I've literally had to be like, oh, all right, this is a little more like I anticipated. (laughs) I know. I have a bunch of, you know, from my career times where I'd be at Marshall's or TJ Maxx and be looking at their books and be like, wow, what great deals. These are like $2.99. And then the books are just not good. They're just not good books. It's so much better to invest in good books. If I'm interested in a book, I go to YouTube. Once again, YouTube, and I will watch a read through of it. I'll watch someone read it. Then I know if I like that book, you know, you can't just go off of Amazon and people saying it's good or whatever. Yeah. She also suggests you read stories to children that don't have pictures. So Lisa will tell the kids to make the pictures appear in their heads. And this is a good practice for children who are growing up in our media drenched culture where images are being created for them. And books don't need to stay in the book area. They should be everywhere, in trees, on swings, bathrooms, inside, outside, wherever. There should be one-on-one reading time and group story times, and it should happen all day. And she gives suggestions of how to make it more fun. You can change the names of the characters to the names of kids in your classroom. She tells a story of spending an entire circle time with four-year-olds changing the words of the title, The Little Mouse, The Red Ripe Strawberry, and The Big Hungry Bear to... (laughs) different they were just subbing out words and she said the best one they landed on was the little boy the red ripe banana and the big hungry belly button and she said every time that became a favorite book and every time they got it out all the kids were like remember the belly button (laughs) don't tell kids to sit in the reading corner and read a book when they're in trouble you don't want to associate reading with being in trouble and if you want kids to love reading make sure they see you reading she goes on about that but you know If you're just always flipping on your phone, that's what they're going to do. They're going to want to do. But if they see you reading a book, then they want to read. They want to be like you. And then link books to experiences for them to have a bigger impact, like eating blueberries when you read Blueberries for Sal. When I read Blueberries for Sal, that took me back. I could just picture reading that book as a kid. Yeah. (laughs) Practice the art of storytelling and book reading. So if your children don't like to listen to you read, you need to work on it because you're probably bad at it record yourself and analyze the way you read and make it fun and engaging use intonation you know use voices whatever she says if you want your kids to love reading all they need is 20 minutes of reading time and a library card and even if you can afford to buy books get a library card support your local library go to story times get to know the librarians and demand that they keep buying books so that our libraries don't just become computer labs (laughs) With like a tiny book section. I I knew yes, you were going to okay. have something to say about the library. <laughs> I go to the library all the time with my daughter. And we have a new library that was built during COVID. So it wasn't used for like a year because it wasn't open. So it's really amazing. It just looks like a hotel lobby. Like it's stunning. And they have a really great children's program and lots of different story times. And sometimes they do a pajama story time where we've gone before at 630. All the kids are in their jammies. Really cute. But I love to go with my daughter. And she's really into these books right now called Eva the Owl. And they're really cool. They're like early readers, but they're chapter books. I think they're geared for like first to second graders, but they have illustrations. So it's kind of like she's writing in her diary and you see it and you see little pictures that Uh go with it. So it's like 
good for my daughter who's a non-reader because she can see the pictures. But, you know, I read her in an entire chapter book every night. Oh, wow. (laughs) She chooses. It takes 30 minutes. (laughs) But I was thinking about what Lisa's saying. Like, I'm not going to stop in the middle or tell her no. Like, she wants the whole book. She's engaged. We're cuddling in her bed together. It's great for us. Yeah. But something that I've noticed is when we go to the library to get new books, if there's a new Eva book, she will pull it off the shelf and be like, read it to me now mm-hmm. in the library. And I'm like, okay. So we find a chair and I start reading it to her. And I notice kids walking by staring at us with sort of like a hungry look in their eye. And I just realized these kids do not really have parents who will sit down with them and like read an entire book with them. Yeah. And I see it. Yeah. I wish I could give that to them. And I don't know. I just... I think taking the time, like Lisa saying, not just being like, we got to go, we got to go. The library is a stop before we go to soccer practice, before we go home. Yeah. It's just so worth it. I spend as much time there as she wants before she says she wants to go. She's so lucky to have you. Thanks. I'm getting much better at reading out loud. (laughs) (laughs) You're just going to start holding impromptu story times at the library for other kids. Yeah. I'm like, this is what's up, everyone. See this? (laughs) All right. So she finished is by saying, if you want children to read, read to them. It's as simple as that. And then she includes, like I said, her list of favorite books, and you should definitely look through it. It has a really great, lots of really great suggestions. She gives us some questions we can ask ourselves about our own reading habits, the reading we do with kids, and how we can improve our reading programs. Also look through those. And then I love her quotes. So I'm going to read one more quote. This is from Albert Einstein. Yes, the Albert Einstein. (laughs) If you want children to be intelligent, read them fairy tales. If you want them to be more intelligent, read them more fairy tales. Love that. All right. That's it for this episode. Chapters 14 and 15 of Lisa Murphy on play. We hope you loved it. And we'll see you next time when we cover chapter 16. Bye, Adrian. Bye, Laura. At the SLP Book Club, our mission is to learn, grow, and connect with other SLPs and educators. If you love what we're doing, the best way to support the podcast is to leave a rating and review wherever you listen. This helps other SLPs find the show so our community can grow even stronger. We appreciate you so much and hope you keep listening and reading along with us.